0: so I knew that tackling the topic of addictions was not going to be quick and easy. Uh, I didn't anticipate just how much uh, Mike Emlett and I would get talking about addictions in a way that did not lend itself to an easy close, so today's uh, episode on addictions is actually part one of two which we didn't know when we were initially taping this, uh, so you can look forward eagerly to part two when we come out with that, but I hope that you'll enjoy the first part, thinking about addictions, Simply, in terms of saying, what are they? What's going on inside the experience of a human being that we would qualify as addiction? So please join us. You are listening to a podcast of the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. CCEF is committed to restoring Christ to counseling and counseling to the church. You can find our podcasts, books, articles, videos, and many more resources for Christ-centered pastoral care at our website, ccef.org. Welcome to CCF on the Go. I'm your host, Alastair Groves, faculty member here at CCEF. Today I am speaking with Mike Emlett, also a faculty member at CCEF. Uh, Mike, welcome.
1: Thanks. I'm glad to be here.
0: Mike, I wanted to uh, dive into a a huge topic today, a topic of addictions, and I was trying to think what it it is that I'm hoping we can accomplish in the space of a podcast on on such a significant topic, especially one that obviously culturally is is especially in the spotlight, Uh, obviously here in Philadelphia and where I live up in in New Hampshire and Vermont. uh, It's just uh, everyone is using the word epidemic in terms of drugs, but that's, uh, that's hardly the only addiction on the table. You've got Apple talking about trying to get people not to use their smartphones so much, which you know is a pretty good indicator that something's up um, How I guess my question that I'd love to, to launch from is, is something like this. What is what is the most current update on your thinking in addictions? Where's the where's the center of your focus when you think about addictions and and helping people in the midst of addictions, large or small? Whatever it is that that's that's kind of caught your attention most most recently. I know this is something you've thought a lot about. What's give bring us up to speed with your thinking?
1: Well, I think there's a lot of uh, there are probably a lot of facets to that. I, I think I think one of the things that has struck me the most lately has been the the importance of the church being a community that that really is able to walk alongside those who who are struggling, <clears throat> who are struggling with addictions. Um, because I, I I think people struggle alone or they go to other other sources of of community to to find help and can't the church or shouldn't the church be a place where we're free to to talk about these struggles and and then for people to find uh real help so i think that's i mean there, there are multiple facets that i i keep I think returning to, but that's that's one of them that seems m- very relevant right now. Um, I think continuing to realize and talk about the the real bodily and brain based aspects uh, of addiction, because certainly that's what um, you know the the secular world is uh, and addiction research is is focusing on in terms of addictions being a being a brain disease, and I think oftentimes when when the church talks about addictions it it can be very polarizing it's it can either be viewed predominantly in sin and willful categories or in bodily, purely biological purely, yeah, purely bodily categories so I, I continue to feel like those aspects of addiction are important to, to talk about as well to help people even have a framework for understanding the, the struggle. So I think those two. I mean, the, the church is a community, as a helping community. And then do we do we even understand, you know, the, the process, what happens with addictions, what's behind addictions? And then, because then that suggests what, what the way out could look like.
0: Yeah. A, a couple of questions are jumping to my mind, Mike. Let me start with the one there you sort of are raising in that second point. You're talking about both the body brain piece and the sin slash will slash uh desire piece um what let me put the question this way what is it that you would say is most important to know about the body brain piece of the addictive experience like what what is the what's the practical take-home value for us in having some sense of I, and I don't even know. Are you thinking underlying neurobiology? Or are you thinking of other things like what? What's the addictive physiological stuff that you would say like ah this is this is what we need to get our heads around uh, in the desire to see people breaking addictions and growing in sanctification. Yeah. Well,
1: I think first and foremost, the the struggle with addictions reminds us that we are bodily creatures. I mean, we we know that we go through life in a sense experiencing life that way, but when there is a particular part of our created makeup that is engaged and deeply engaged in uh, in the struggle with addictions. Um, it it really is important to 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 keep that to keep that at the forefront. So, I mean, there there are many things, many issues that we struggle with that there is not a strong, if you will, bodily component. I mean, people don't get high from gossiping or procrastinating or whatever the case may be but there are there are ways in which our bodies get get hooked uh, with regard to substances and and certain practices um, gambling pornography use that that tap into god-given pathways of pleasure in our brain this is part of you know our Wonderful created makeup that we were, in a sense, designed uh, to experience those pleasures. the The problem is when there are these external substances or practices that are making that system go on overdrive. And I think if we if we don't recognize just how um, entrenched the body can can be, will will see addictions m- more primarily or maybe exclusively in the category of well this is just this is just a a, a choice this is an issue of desire just saying you know, no. this is a worship disorder which I, I don't at all disagree with but it's but it's a worship disorder that can often hijack the body and and i think both of those things are are important to remember
0: right I mean, I remember even just the feeling of holding yet another Mike Emlet book in my hands. Like it was the the physiological experience of that. You no, know, it just captured me, and I. Aha! Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes. Well, the, some there, are, there, there break, are some right? uh, yeah, but some, some f- good programs for that. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I I um. It's interesting even that you you raise the the point though about um you know you don't get high on gossip or or uh, whatever. But I you know I I think um, it it has actually even been helpful to me to recognize you know it even something like gossip or approval or, um, you know, more sort of emotionally driven things that one can become at least something like addicted to in that sense. Even even there, we probably don't think of it this way and we tend to ignore it, but there's a, there's a physiological uh, thing, and um, obviously that, you know, dopamine, serotonin sorts of things going on in the brain, but, but even just at the level of um, there's a little rush that you get. Procrastination would be actually, I, I would, if I think back to my own experiences, procrastination, there's something, there's, there's actually almost a physiological itch. Um, and, and there's there's a relief that you feel almost in your chest and shoulders when you push the computer away and stop working on the paper and go, you know, distract yourself with something else. And but then there's also this hovering anxiety in the background that's also kind of a tightness and attention so it's i'm i'm actually being struck by even the things that aren't as physiologically obvious um you know and and that could be also the facebook or pinterest or video games or things that we might not think of having as physiological component as in alcohol pornography heroin Mm -hmm. um but yeah that's
1: well and you're highlighting that all desire is embodied like we don't we don't have desires apart from our bodily existence and so you know, I mean I think we're in many ways we're, we're, we're standing on Ed Welch's shoulders in, in terms of talking about issues of how do we understand how do we understand addictions and so at, at, in a fundamental level it's a it, it is a a disorder of of desire, um, but it's it's a it's a desire that also becomes and more and more entrenched in a in a bodily way, and so there's a there's a spectrum of that, and I think you're highlighting that that spectrum. We're never we're
0: never not body. And and I think it just speaks to one of the battlegrounds, right? Like if you if you see addictions as purely uh, spiritual, emotional, worshipful, whatever—you um, will not be as inclined to think in terms of fighting battles for the body. Um, and there's a there's a wisdom even in terms of practices, recognizing um, I want to I want to fight this even in terms of how can I put my body in a wise place to resist this temptation. Uh, and sometimes that may actually be a geographic issue of, you know, I will stay further away from X, Y, and Z place uh, where I would experience temptation. You know, flee temptation, sometimes it's going to look like that. And, and physically removing myself, other times there's going to be um, elements there. Um, will you say a word or two about, about the other side of the equation, about the desires piece, the worship piece? Mm-hmm. Uh, just any, any current uh, especially bright thoughts for you there? Well, I,
1: I think, well, one of the things it does immediately in terms of thinking about um, addictions as disordered desires or unruly desires, it immediately starts to level the, the playing field in terms of the struggle of addictions. There's a way in which then all of us can identify. like if you ask the you know if you ask the question, are you an addict? Many people would say no, but if you ask the question, "Do you struggle with um, the desire to say no in one or more areas of your life?" We probably all would say yes. That that there there are places where we where we struggle um,
0: to to say no to unruly desires. So, and if you wouldn't say no, I'd like you to go pray for five minutes and ask the uh, Lord to reveal to you what you're exactly. not seeing. Exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah, so I think uh, understanding addictions first and foremost at the level of desire immediately starts to create uh, a level playing field within, within the church so that it's not these people who struggle with, with addictions and we don't. And and that's in no way to minimize the the life uh, threatening, life dominating Severity. nature of very you know very severe manifestations of addiction. Um, so I don't want to go to the other extreme and say oh it's all the same. But but I think that also goes a long way. Like one of the practical outworkings of that is that they were more willing, I think, to come alongside those who are struggling in those life threatening and life dominating ways because. We ourselves know where we find it difficult to uh, battle uh, unruly desires in our own life. Mm.
0: Yeah, you know, jumping back um, to your first point, but also uh, in a sense, you're segueing us here already by talking about how uh, being able to identify, even if you're even if your experience of struggling with saying no um, is not as severe as a person who might be labeled a capital A addict. Um, what what is it that the church can do to be more inviting and welcoming to to a, a, a people struggling with addictions of various kinds, especially probably the more sort of technicolor ones? Um, why is it that we aren't always that place uh, that people turn? Um, I, I mean, I have I have thoughts on this. It it does seem like I've heard people say, and I. I agree that that the church should be the premier place for battling addictions. It's a we have this vision of not simply um, that you know we we can say addictions are are bad and destructive and wrong and uh, we want to help people turn away from them, but we can also do that with grace. We don't have to say um, oh it's not a big deal. One, one thing I have personally really objected to in the secular way of handling things that I have seen largely, uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm generalizing here, but I, I, I sense in the in the secular approach that um, there's been this, I think, good, right, common grace way of people have wanted to show compassion for people with addictions, which I think is amen that's right on but the only way our culture knows to show compassion is to remove responsibility so if you're if we're gonna feel bad for you and give you mercy it's because it's not really your fault and we've got to remove that agency um, which then leaves you in a bit of a pickle because now you're calling people to do things and own things and take responsibility even though it wasn't your responsibility for getting here which is a little bit tricky logically but mm-hmm. um, but but the Christian faith offers something so much better than the removal of responsibility we're people who can say even even when something is completely your fault. Uh, I'm not saying all addictions are completely someone's fault. I'm just saying even when the situation is, this is absolutely your problem, uh, there's grace that meets us. And, it, and we can say, we can have enormous compassion on someone whose sin, willful, high-handed sin, is completely destroying their life. And we can have nuance in even saying, well, there's willful sin and there's biological entrenchedness and, and so on and so forth. So um, how does the church... Uh, live that out. We ought to be the best at this. Um, where Where do you sense us again? Huge question, but any thoughts just on where we're struggling, how we can do better?
1: So it's interesting talking with folks I know who are you know part of twelve step groups or um, yeah, attending A or something like that. Yeah. Th- one of the things that is interesting is there there is just a high degree of of honesty <laughs> about. About the struggle, there is a freedom to be able to talk about the struggle without uh, a sense of judgment, and it's not. And it's not then. Well, you just accept this. Um, there's a there's a lot of accountability. There's a lot of challenge uh, of self-deceit and uh, practices that that you know. Well, you should have known better. There, if you if you did X, Y, and Z, that you would go down this this road. And I I wonder if that. That we can have that same level of honesty and frankness that is undergirded by the gospel. Um, And I think so. I think one litmus test for you know for a given church is how honest are we just in general about. Talking uh, about issues of sin and and struggle, or there is there transparency like in, in in the preaching of the word? Is there are there is it really clear that this is a a church for for people who who really do need Jesus, who really are struggling and are and are struggling with a multitude of issues, um, addiction being one of them. You know if. If um, if I think if we're talking more about that, there'll be um, there'll be people will be more likely in a sense to come out of the woodwork and say, yeah, I'm really I'm really struggling with this. So I think that's one thing. Are we are we transparent about struggles, including addictions, um, and and then I think probably another another barrier is just the the sense of what all what do we do or what do, how do we how do we help because it can be because it in so many ways it can be a very systemic kind of uh, kind of problem and overwhelming with multiple areas of a person's life being upended you know their their relationships so there may be re- re- you know counseling that has to happen with regard to to marriage and family and then there are the physical issues and legal issues so i i i think for us as churches being simply being more uh, proactive in h- how do we help in these multiple spheres where else do we need to partner like you know as a church we're not going to do detox but we ought to know w- what's in the area in terms of resources where someone who really would uh, benefit from a detoxification physical detoxification um, w- could could go so some of it is, educating ourselves and being proactive in that way.
0: As you're talking, Mike, I'm even just thinking, you know, probably on so many of these things, um, let me rephrase that, not probably, certainly on, on these issues, any church um, is going to do well to ask the question of what is the next step to take? Uh, or the next you know two steps to take but uh, because I think it it can feel a bit overwhelming of you know okay there's all these different groups there's AA and there's Celebrate Recovery and there's Narcotics Anonymous and just you know there's all these different things out there that we might maybe we could host a group or something like that if we don't have certain internal resources or maybe we should be developing our own thing and and we need to create a culture of greater transparency and um, so I think I, I guess my hope would be that that knowing that there are churches all across the spectrum of there's churches that have addictions groups that are meeting Mm -hmm. and they're either that they're hosting from outside sources or they're doing inside whatever to churches that would say like "We, we know there are probably people in our pews who are dealing with this but we don't know who they are and Right now, they don't seem to feel comfortable revealing themselves, and they haven't been outed yet by their spouse. Or, you know, how, how do we take that next step? And so, I think, thinking just in terms of how do we move, maybe the next step is to research what are those resources, like you were just talking about in the area around us. Um, maybe the next step is to say, how can we, um, how can we commit ourselves a little bit more to a culture of transparency? And what would it look like for us as a church to grow in talking about the the grim realities of our sin, um, in in daily church life, and becoming a place where that again, not not in a way that sort of glories in, uh, oh, we're so broken and isn't that wonderful, but uh, in a way that says, let's just face the reality of where we are, that we might grow, that we might be healed, that we might turn. From evil and repent that we might have compassion on each other and say, yeah, I know uh, how how difficult that is. So I think probably the easiest way for us to start would be for you to just confess the three worst things you've done in the last six months, Mike. Since we're just in a private uh, context here, so if you'll just kind of lead out. with yeah, Look, our time is <laughs> up, Alistair. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, yes. Well, our our time actually is up. So I will I will let us uh, wander off from that from that point. But um, yeah, I I really. My, my hope is that um, is that conversation about um, addictions is just one that we don't let ourselves off the hook on, uh, certainly here at CCEF. But, but as a church as well, I just um, it, it can be easy to be overwhelmed. It can be easy to feel uh, a sense that, man, it's just there's too much to do or we're not sure where to start or, or we've done it, and it gets so messy and time-consuming and people just end up angry with each other and with us and um, I think the the long vision persevering and recognizing that the gospel does in fact offer uh, a a motive and a meaning and a community that that can produce real change in people's lives Um, we we must cling to that hope and take that seriously uh, even if the the pathway there isn't always an easy step-by-step process yeah that's right Thanks so much for, for coming in.
1: Sure, my pleasure.
0: If you're interested in following up on today's conversation, we've linked to a blog by Ed Welch called Four Reasons for Addictions, and that will be posted just under the uh, little signal, uh, the download link for our podcast for today. You can find that at ccef.org podcast. And as always, feel free to send us any questions you have. Till next time, blessings.